When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Kamara. Tell us we got to practice social distancing and stay six feet away from each other. But we want to get together and have a few beers with our friends. We have found a loophole. We are the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my awesome friend and kick-ass co-host, Chris Sinzak. Happy Saturday. I'm raising a toast to you. As to you, man, this is great. We found a loophole, like I said, you know, we, we got our awesome guest this week and he was just like, you know, it's been so long since we hung out and got drunk together that we could do that. And I could be a guest for the quarantine sessions. And I said, that's brilliant. So what you're getting on this episode is basically what the show always is anyway. A couple of dudes and maybe a friend hanging out, drinking beers, talking about rock and roll. But you guys are providing the subjects because we're answering all kinds of listener questions and thought-provoking situations that we can discuss, and it all comes from you, the Decibel Geek listener, and we appreciate it very much. So, Chris, are you excited about another quarantine session? I kind of have to be. It's it's our only option these days. So, yeah, but yeah, I am. I know. Me too. These have been a lot of fun. We've had awesome guests so far. They've been getting released left and right on Decibel Geek TV, but we're going to talk about that. Before we get to all the business, we got to do what we always do, and that is give props to the people that have taken the time to leave us those sweet, sweet, sweet podcast reviews, recommendations, whatever. We'll take it all. We've got a couple of great ones here today. And the first one is an Apple podcast review entitled Love This Podcast. All five stars just the way we love it. And it goes like this. Great music, funny guys. I love being introduced to new music and hearing music I love and being reminded of music that may have slipped my mind. Keep on rocking. That comes to us from Beach Babe in Florida via Apple Podcast. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that one. And we also got another really good one. It's a Facebook recommendation. Comes to us from Carlos Henriquez. He's been leaving us great questions leading up all these weeks in the quarantine sessions. And he also took the time to leave a Facebook recommendation that goes like this. Decibel Geek Rules. The Vinnie Vincent episodes brought me in years ago, and I haven't stopped listening since. Where else can you hear talk on tough? Ugly Kid Joe, Faith No More, Kiss, 
Fastway, King Cobra, Vinnie Vincent, and yes, even Hulk Hogan. Decibel Geek, that's where. <laughs> I knew you would approve of that review. <laughs> Definitely approve of that one right there. Those are great reviews and recommendations. We appreciate it very, very much. So if you guys want to take the time to leave us one of those reviews, recommendations, we like them on Apple Podcast. We like the recommendations on Facebook. And we really like the Podchaser reviews. Those are all sweet ways to help us get the word out about the show. And while I got your attention thinking about this kind of thing, Thing. here's something else cool you can do we got a facebook page and it's got all kinds of cool stuff going on there all the time sometimes funny sometimes serious it's all rock and roll you want to get in on that conversation here's what you do you head on over there and you give it a like if you already like it here's something else you can do there's a little section on that page where you can go to it and invite your friends this is a fun little game it allows you to go through your list of friends on facebook and decide who's cool because if you're giving them an invite, they pass the test and are awesome people. So give it a try. It's a lot of fun. And get people to get in on what we got going on here on Decibel Geek. Very good. And uh, our other favorite people, the Geeks of the Week. These are people that share it on Facebook, retweet it on Twitter. Last week's Quarantine Sessions, Volume 7, with our good friend Loose Cannon, or should I say the newly minted LC from LC. COVID Fire. Thanks again for listening to that and sharing it. Geeks of the Week this week are Rockin' Ron Runyon, who shared <laughs> more than anybody else. Okay, and then let me get on to the rest of the list. Decibel Geevy, Aaron Martell, Aaron Baker, David Glenn, Mikhail Burrell, Jay Shablewski, Kevin Williams, Joseph Capone, Steve, Alan, Desmond, J.J. Mack, Eladio, David Cathy, Ernesto Aguiar. Horny women love rock. It's my favorite new Twitter handle. That's Jeffrey awesome. Mendenhall, Stephen Michael, and as always, the, the Mooger Fooger. Did you mention course, that Rock and Ron Runyon shared it? Yes, I did. Okay, cool. And, um, I'll make sure. Horny, horny Women Love Rock is a great Twitter handle, but for some strange reason, I have a feeling it's a big burly dude out in the Midwest that's running it. But he ain't lying. No, well. It's truth most, and advertisement. Most of the time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron, why don't you introduce this week's guest? All right. The man who has enabled this drinking session, the man who said, I'll come on Decibel Geek Podcast under one condition. You guys got to drink with me. And that man who was a genius and came up with this brilliant idea for us, which just happens to be a Saturday night in the time that we're recording this, is the one and only, the man who makes Decibel Geek TV possible, and the man who really makes the VIP program possible, the one and only, our awesome friend, Rockin' Ron Runyon. What's going on, Ron? Uh-oh, is that my cue? <laughs> is, this, is this thing on? Can I got a feeling Ron started drinking a little earlier than the rest of us. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Awesome, Ron. This is a great idea you came up with. It feels like just like it's supposed to be. Three dudes hanging out, having a few drinks, getting a buzz on, and talking about rock and roll. What do you say? Yeah, sounds, I mean, sounds good to me. Yeah, three assholes doing a podcast. Where have I heard that idea before? <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> three assholes and three million bots. Oh, it's yeah. just us. Just three dudes <laughs> drinking. I'll bet those three assholes don't have horny women on their podcast. <laughs> oh, this episode is so going to deliver. 
Oh, I'm just getting started. Rock and Ron, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, no, let me guess. Jaeger bombs. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> <laughs> We're all in trouble. <laughs> oh, man. Chris, what are you drinking? Some smelly, stinky hipster IPA? Yes, that's exactly what it's called. Smelly, stinky hipster IPA. How'd you figure that out? That's what attracted no, me to it. No, it's actually um, it's called High Lie India Pale Ale from Cigar City Brewing in Tampa, Florida. All I know is it's 7.5% alcohol, so I'm enjoying it. All right. You'll be right in line with Rock and Ron with his Jaeger bombs then. No, not even close. <laughs> I told you guys, this is... A, I'm the oldest decibel geek here, so you you were supposed to go old school. You need some Mad Dog 2020 <laughs> or something like that. You can do no. some shots of wild turkey. I'll, I'll stick to what, what's safe for me. You can go on with your pickled liver. I'm all good. <laughs> I need to drinking? have you passed out before we do this beat the geek thing. Oh, Ron. You know what I'm drinking tonight? What? This is something an old friend of mine taught me, and he called them Wisconsin Sunrise because we drink them early in the morning. It's V8 juice with beer in it, a little dash of salt in there. Sometimes you throw vegetables in it. Mine tonight are just straight. V8, dash of salt, some ice, and some cold Coors Light in it. My wife will not make out with me after I drink this stuff. I can't figure it out. Yeah, I don't think my wife's going to make out with me, and I'm sure Ron will not be able to make it to the bed by the end of that. Well, I find them to be delicious and nutritious. <laughs> I'm glad you're being healthy, Aaron. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. And I've been drinking them for a while now. It reminds me of, like, there's a there's a guy I watch on YouTube who's, like, a uh, not a competitive eater, but, he, well, I guess he is. He does, like... He goes to restaurants that have challenge meals where if you eat the whole thing, you get your name on the wall or whatever. Yeah. And he'll have like a burger that's like six pounds and he'll be going through like describing it. And he goes, and of course, it's got lots of healthy vegetables on top of like, like that's going to somehow offset that you're eating 18,000 calories in a sitting. <laughs> <laughs> it works for me. Mm. It works All for right. me. Well, we got a bunch of awesome questions. Are you guys ready to get to them? Yeah, let's go. No. No. <laughs> I we should, we should probably address this because I had to really, really talk Rock and Ron into doing Beat the Geek. He really did not I, want to do it. I tried so hard to talk you guys out of this. I don't know how you became so desperate in these <laughs> quarantine times to... To put me on the show, I know it's been four years that I've been working for you guys, and you've put out probably 200-plus episodes in that time, and it took a global pandemic for <laughs> you guys to get desperate enough to put a guy on here that is not a member of a band or a podcaster. That's right. Well, I'll tell you. You first of all, you're right, but also it takes courage uh, <laughs> to do the no, things we do. Of course, I am. No, but part of this is also in recognition of the the um, amazing amount of work you've done for the Decibel Geek name. I mean, honestly, when you took over, what? How many subscribers do you figure we had for the YouTube oh, channel when you go. started? <laughs> it wasn't much, was it? What now? 
the, 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 oh god the uh the, the subscriber count on the YouTube i'm sorry page. i was wiping the slobber off of my butthole here <laughs> what <laughs> what was the question again i forgot uh, <laughs> i was too disturbed by the, the fuck <laughs> oh Oh, I'm, trying to be, I'm trying to trying to give you a compliment, damn it. Um, when the when you start when you took over the YouTube channel, I mean, just in ballpark figure, what do you think the subscriber count was like? Like 200 at the most? I think it was just under 200. Right, and where is it at now? Uh, I haven't looked for a while, but I know it's I think coming up on 4,000. I mean, nice. yeah, and, and that's that's all you, man. I mean, yeah. you've done a lot. You've filmed a bunch of great live stuff. Now, even though it's gotten you kind of blacklisted from certain bands, I think it's been. Really- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you? That's, that's an understatement. I mean, you're you're not going to get a Christmas card from Stephen Piercy anytime soon, right? Uh, him and quite a few others. <laughs> wow. I've, I've been threatened to be sued on pretty much a monthly basis for posting videos but you know i'm i'm getting through it (laughs) no actually for the most part you know most everybody is pretty cool with it and they're they're good with me you know promoting the bands and the music and doing everything i can for them but yeah of course there's a select few that you know are not happy with it so when you got like some bands that say man this is great we really appreciate you filming us you know and putting it on your page and helping us get the word out about what we're doing and then there's another section of the bands that say we don't like that what are some of the reasons why the other bands don't want your help in getting them advertised or sharing their performances and things like that well sometimes it's the management or the record companies that don't want stuff put out or I, I guess don't like the that we're promoting bands and the music, and that's their job. And they don't like us stepping on their toes, I guess, that we're putting out putting out things and promoting them and and that when that's that's what they pay their record companies and stuff to do. But uh, for the most part, the bands themselves, they like all the promotion they can get and, you know, like their music and their word out, you know, word of mouth and that, that they want it out there. But it's it's the big shots behind the scenes that usually give me the most problems. Right. I can imagine because then somebody, a, a artist sees your video on Decibel Geek TV and says, this is awesome. This is professionally filmed, you know. What do you do? You know, why aren't you producing things like this for me? You know, when when I'm paying you to do this and they don't want to hear that shit. So I don't know. It just sucks because it's double purposed where they could be using you, Rock and Ron, to help them. And you're more than happy to do it. Well, I think what what they mostly don't understand is the YouTube channel is not monetized at all. We've never made a single penny off of anything that's been posted. And it's, you know, everything that when it is posted, the the copyright is claimed to 
whoever the owner is of the music or the images or any of that. And uh, we don't make any money off of it, but it it seems to me like the record companies and managers or whoever thinks that somehow we're making money off of their their artists or their music and and that's not the case gotcha. i you know from the beginning i've gone into this as doing it for the love of the music and to get the word out on the bands that we love and the music we love and to let people know you know and to see the the videos and see the shows because you know, I'm just promoting the music out there and giving a taste of what the the show is like because I'm promoting for you to go see these bands when they come to your town. Right. And that because this is this is what you're gonna see. You know, that's what I'm putting out there. Ron, you've been doing this for a long time. You putting together Decibel Geek TV and you've seen so many bands and have gotten so much footage do you have like a prize video of everything you've done? Like one video out of all of it that is your favorite? Oh my god! <laughs> well, uh, the video episodes that I do of the Decibel Geek podcast is what I'm most proud of because yeah. that's what I spend the most time on creating and you know making the visuals entertaining and that you know. So I can't really pick out a performance per se of but there's there's actually so many of them and so many experiences i've had over the years that have been just great with filming shows you know all over the world with with going to festivals like sweden which is the first time i've i've actually ever even been out of the country that's awesome and I went to Sweden twice, and those were, you know, Sweden Rock was awesome, was the best festivals I've ever gone to. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, a few Rocklahomas and, uh, of course, the Monsters of Rock cruises. Those are always great because you you mingle with the band members and stuff on the ship. That's always great for, you know, making those connections. And and it's, it's always great to me that I'll go up to a rock star, so to speak, and, and be talking to them. And when I introduce myself and say, you know, I'm with Decibel Geek TV, you know, when they come back and say, oh, yeah, I know Decibel Geek TV. I love that. I love your videos. Nice. You know, that's that's a great feeling that you can do that. And even even when I went over to Sweden, I had uh, people tracking me down, you know, that then would come up to me and and see me wearing the Decibel Geek TV shirt. Are you really rocking, Ron? <laughs> yeah. And they would, well, they would say, you know, are, do you do the Decibel Geek TV videos? And I would say, yeah. And... They'd say, oh, I love those videos. I'm, those are great. And you're all the way over here in Sweden. Right. And you're seeing these videos. And that that's always makes me feel good. And, and that's what I do it for. Very cool. 
Well, I, I will say my favorite performance that you've captured, at least recently, is the Striper. the Striper from <laughs> Monsters of Rock Cruise. Holy shit! Yeah, I mean, you you really caught them on a good night because they really kicked ass in those videos. Yeah, those were good. All right, and Ron, you've been releasing all the quarantine sessions too. Yes, I I started doing that because you know we're in we're in some crazy times here, so I'm. You know, of course, you guys had to change your format and and how you're doing things, and I kind of had to go along with it. And we're not having any live shows right now. We're not having anything going on, so I haven't been able to put up any new content for quite a while. And so, you know, I wanted to start putting up some content, and it, it's good to put up the uh the quarantine sessions here i see how and, it is uh, open when... it up to a, a wider audience of of people that may not be able to download the the audio podcast or uh rather see it on youtube i and, see how uh, it is ron it takes a national tragedy a worldwide tragedy <laughs> to shut down the world of music before you start just I think i'm gonna go ahead and just release a bunch of decibel geek episodes <laughs> yeah and i'm gonna to continue to do that every week and put up the new episodes of of decibel geek but of course as soon as all this craziness is over with then uh i'm gonna get back to going to live shows as soon as we're able to and uh, start putting up some performance videos again. I can't wait. I'm sure there's a lot of bands out there that are itching to to get back up on the stage and do their thing, and I want to be there to record it. Shoot, yeah, man. And we're happy that you're out there representing Decibel Geek. And like I mentioned earlier, something else you might not know is Rock and Ron's got a huge hand in the Decibel Geek VIPs. And if you don't know about that, it's on Patreon.com. You can become a Decibel Geek VIP. And we've got hundreds of that. Well, not hundreds. I think we've got 106 episodes of the chris and aaron show and a whole bunch of other stuff in there archived for you so if you become a vip you get all that stuff and i was telling you guys before we recorded that i've actually got outtakes of every single quarantine session that we've done so far and i'm gonna make them all into a big super episode we got some gold before we started even recording today for that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's gonna be a while. I, I apologize to all the listeners beforehand here of of any trash talk that I did before this. <laughs> oh my god. I I know there was a lot of trash talk on on private messenger between you guys <laughs> with me and uh no shit. Like, I mean, all like every other quarantine session, like anybody we've brought on, other podcasters that we've had as guests, it's like, okay, you know, Sunday at 1 o'clock, okay, I'll be there. We don't hear a thing from them until it happens. But not with Rock and Rod, because with Rock and Rod, it's like, I don't know if I could do this. I'm going to be your worst guest ever. I'm not going to get any answers right on Beat to Geek. And then it goes from that. To, I demand ten thousand dollars and uh, you know no brown M and M's and I'm like who the hell are you like are you Vinnie Vincent or something? 
Yes, Vinny Vincent is my contract negotiator. I've gotten all my advice from him. Wow. And there's your first and it, it's worked out good because oh, yeah, I, I, bet. I I did make you guys put my name in the geeks of the week <laughs> <laughs> this week so that I could get an extra ten thousand dollars for the use of my name. Such a diva. <laughs> <laughs> Well, That's you're awesome. not you're not dealing with the uh, normal podcasters that you usually deal with now. That's right. Oh, no kidding. Ron's a raw, untapped talent. <laughs> oh man, gonna find out. Right, this, today. Is, this is only the second podcast I've ever been on, and so I'm a rare commodity. <laughs> so you guys need to, need to pay up for yeah, me to be on here. The rare being the key word, right? Yeah. <laughs> We've been saving up for nine years, and here you are. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we uh, we ready to get to some questions? Yeah, let's do that. Uh-oh. Here we go. All right, so the first one comes to us from Instagram, and it's... Welcome from- to the Dumb and Dumber episode of, of <laughs> Decibel Geek Podcast. It's a Dumb, Dumber, and Dumbest. This well, is, this the is end, gonna we'll make the in Tiger King look like intellectual uh, entertainment here. Well, let's see. Let's but just go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and ask your questions. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? All right. <laughs> All right. Don I don't Hoxie. even know that right now. Let me fill up another mug of Jaeger and Red Bull here and see what I can come up with. Okay. All right. Here... Ask away. All right. Here's the first pour. one. Don Hoxie wants to know. If it came to pass, would you guys be cool with Axel DC or an Axel DC album and a tour? Or do you think it's sacrilege? What if they changed the name of the band? I'd be cool with it as long as they called it Axel DC. I don't think I'd be happy with them calling it ACDC. But uh, either way, I would definitely want to hear it. And I was hoping they were going to do that, but it doesn't look yeah. like it's going to happen. Yeah, I know that was something we were both looking forward to. I mean, when it happened where Axel had to come in and, and do some of those live shows, and it sounded damn good, you know. And I thought at the time, how great would it be to have Axel Rose singing ACDC-style songs on a new album? And they talked about it was something they were doing, you know. They were writing songs together. I was really, really looking forward to seeing what that was going to be. But, yeah, just like you, don't call it ACDC. Yeah. Rock and Ron, would you got into that? Oh, I'm sorry. I was mixing up my drink. What was the question? <laughs> oh, God. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know on that. I'm I'm okay with with Axel filling in and doing. You know, he did a good job of filling in for Brian and and doing that. And I don't know what the real story is. What's what's going on but i actually really hope that brian johnson is back in the band and is able to not only record a new album but uh go out on tour and that because uh you know i came into acdc on the back in black and then i went backwards yeah from there you know but the first album i seen of them when I was working in a record store at, at a very young age, 
you know, that was the first album I seen of theirs. And, you know, I thought that was a perfect album and I loved it. And then, then from there, that was actually the second concert I ever seen in my life was the back in black tour. And, uh, I went backwards from there into the Bon Scott era. And, but my growing up, I knew the Brian Johnson era I love ACDC and that's, that's what I want to see is, is them continue on with Brian Johnson. So, you know, nothing really against Axl Rose, but he needs to stick with Guns N' Roses and, and he was a great fill in, but, uh, keep it at that. And I hope they can continue with Brian. I can respect that. That's a good answer. Well, good. I'm one for one now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see where it goes with number two. This one comes to us from D Noonan fifty one fifty on the Instagram. Wants to know your favorite rock metal concept album and why is it Operation Mind Crime? <laughs> well, I would uh, I would say it is Operation Mind Crime for me. Um, yeah. I, I to this day I think it's the best concept album ever written. I think it's. It's, every song on that album is good. It's got a great storyline through it. And, I mean, Jeff Tate wouldn't be touring on it 30 years later if it didn't have something to it. And, like, that album means so much to Queensryche fans. Uh, I think it, I'm not really a big fan of concept albums overall, but Operation Mindcrime is one where I think they got it right. I, I love that record. Ron, what do you think? You a fan of that well, one? I have to agree with Chris for the most part that, yeah, I do love the Operation Mind Crime. It's a great album. I'm also not too big on on concept albums and and that, but I'm actually much much older than you guys. So when I think concept album, I actually think Pink Floyd The Wall is what I I look at as as a concept album. I don't know if a lot of people consider that rock or, or certainly not heavy metal, but... Uh, it's pretty heavy in spots. In spots. But as far as a total concept album, that's what I really think of besides... Because yeah, uh, it had the whole movie and everything the that with it. <laughs> but we're not going to go there. No, we're not. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Alice Cooper. Welcome to my nightmare. I think that's my favorite concept album. That's oh, a great shit. one too. I didn't even think of that one. <laughs> but I mean, you can't go wrong with the wall because that had the whole movie that went along with it and everything. That's true. Did Operation Mind yeah, actually, ever have any Alice, kind of movie or Alice anything? Alice Cooper to go with had, uh, you know, I had it on VHS, which was was great we watched it uh, shit probably a million times was the the tv special for alice cooper's welcome to my nightmare which you know i love that so you know with with vincent price and and the whole thing so yeah i take it back (laughs) (laughs) I All forgot right, awesome. about Alice Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare. Yeah, that's that's also an excellent concept album. What about music from The Elder? No. I said we're not going to go there. <laughs> 
thought I'd give you one more shot at it. All right, let's move on to Twitter. We got one from Twitter. It comes to us from our friend Eladio. He says, a few weeks ago, Aaron mentioned he was listening to a lot of Extreme. I know he's not a big Queen fan, but have you ever seen their set at the 1992 Freddie Mercury tribute at Wembley? If so, what are your thoughts? Uh, I've not seen it. Are we talking about Queen? Well, they did a... After Freddie died the next year, they did a Freddie Mercury tribute concert where basically Roger Taylor and Brian May and John Deacon were the backing band for a whole lot of special guests doing Queen songs. Okay. And Extreme did a set. Like, I think Tie Your Mother Down was the one I remember the most of them doing. Right if on. you haven't seen it, you really should check it out because they were great on it. Yeah, I'd like to check that out because that's one of them Queen songs that you can really rock out. I've heard other bands do covers of that song, and it's always really good. Yeah, that whole concert's really great. I mean, it, I know you're not the biggest Queen fan, but the the performances are and like Metallica comes out and does uh was the Stone Cold Crazy with uh Brian May and Tony Iommi. That's a pretty great performance right too. Right on. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I know I did see that back in the day and uh it was great. Uh, I can't remember much of it now, but I do remember, I think it was Def Leppard or or at least Joe Elliott that came out, did a good performance. Uh, the whole concert was good from what I remember of it, but I don't remember specifically who came out and uh, did what. But, yeah, I need to revisit that one because I am a huge Queen fan. I love them, and... Uh, I, I would love to go back and check that one out again. Yeah, I'll have to do that too. I've never seen it. Sounds awesome. I don't remember Extreme on that, so I would I would have to see that again. But they are they are good, and Gary Sharon is an awesome front man, and of course Nuno, and yeah, I need to revisit that one and and see it again. Yeah, Sharon's awesome, as long as he's not singing for Van Halen. <laughs> on record, but live, he was actually pretty entertaining. All right, so let's move on to the Facebook questions, because that's where the questions are aplenty. We'll start that's out with this one. That's where the good ones are. That's right. <laughs> we'll start out with this one from Luke McGill. Hey, guys, really enjoying the quarantine sessions. It's been a terrific source of knowledge and humor on my favorite style of music. There have been some great major label albums that were released post the grunge rock explosion in the early 90s. What's the best major label release that missed the boat, which could have been a hit if released before 91? Oh, anyone that knows me knows what I'm going to say right now. I, you know what? I know what you're going to say, and I'm going to have a hard time disagreeing with it. Ron, go yeah. ahead. What's what's the word? My my top post grunge will say, as as Luke says, that uh, if it would have come out a couple years earlier, I think would have been huge. Is of course Wild Sides under the influence. I think was an awesome album and. And I I love those guys and and I think that would have been huge if it would have come out a couple years earlier. And uh, add on I think is uh, the band Thunder 
with Backstreet Symphony was another one that I bought around the same time. And I also love that album, you know, with the, the grunge era and the changing of the times in our musical climate in the early 90s. A lot of these bands just put out one and then disappeared. But yet, uh, you know, especially for Thunder and, uh, and another band I love, the Choir Boys, yeah. which was the London Choir Boys when they came out in the early 90s, put out great albums and then just disappeared. But yet, you know, when I uh, discovered on the Internet, you know, later on, they're, hu- they're still huge overseas and uh, have been putting out albums all these years and, and headlining festivals and that, and, and they're still huge over there. And yet we hear nothing about them in America. And, you know, but, uh, I would say first and foremost is wild side would be my top album that, that I think didn't get, uh, didn't get its due. And unfortunately, they they broke up shortly after that because of the the grunge era. And then honorable mentions is Thunder and the Choir Boys. I knew you'd go with the wild side, man. Like I said, that is a hard one to disagree with because there was even, I mean, even at the time, the record labels were fighting over that band and it was it should have been huge you know the album was great i mean and there's so many of them i mean i've got my go-to's would be like tough obviously enough's enough you know got lumped in with something that they shouldn't have been put in with and could have been should have been so much bigger than what they were there's i don't know man there's so many of them wild side enough's enough tough i mean war babies you go on down the line yeah, I I listened to that War Babies again the other day after because you, you got me into that song. Um, was it Hook Me Up or Hang Me Up? That was Starsky. Yeah, or it was Starsky. Yeah, so like that song was written with uh, Paul Stanley, but that whole record is really good. Uh, but the the one I've actually been rocking a lot this past week, and I posted about it today, is uh, the Second Coming album by Shotgun Messiah. It came out. Oh in yes, I love that album so much. It's so just, do I. There's yeah. so many good songs. And, like, the thing that drives me that is crazy is, like, this came out on Relativity Records. And it's, like, it sounds better produced than almost every other rock band coming out at the time. Yeah. You listen to it now, the production is, like, pristine on this thing. And uh, Harry Cody never really comes up and talk about great guitar players, but his playing on this album is amazing. And, like, uh, a lot of times I don't like the single choice that they make for for bands but that you know heartbreak boulevard is and far and away the best song on this record in my opinion yeah it's catchy as hell and i think that is a perfect album there's not a bad song on it you can listen to it all the way through and rock it out all the way till the end and back in the day that was one of my favorite albums but nobody else ever knew about them. Nobody, none of my friends ever talked about Shotgun Messiah. It was me and one dude I knew because we were weird and we were kind of decibel geeks before there was such a thing. And we knew about Shotgun Messiah and loved it. And I know some people, it's it's weird because to even say Shotgun Messiah and say some people think this and some people think that. 
but it's such a niche thing. But some people actually prefer the next album that they come out with after that one, which was Violent New Breed, and they became yeah. kind of like a, a Nine Inch Nails kind of a band. But I was totally shocked when that album came out because I love this one so much. And that album is a completely different band. And it's just a couple of years after this one came out. Yeah, but I it's funny. They're they're like one of the few bands that could make the switch from, you know, the hard rock of the late eighties, early nineties into the industrial thing. Most bands come off sounding like a parody when they try to do that but i thought violet new breed was a great record too i like them both i mean for what it was it was great but i mean a lot of good it did them yeah no it didn't help it wouldn't uh, have mattered if they just stayed the same or changed it just wasn't happening for shotgun messiah which is a shame because i mean tim scold is a freaking genius and he went on to play with marilyn manson and has got a ton of solo albums and has done electronica music and yeah he's a far old dude i would love that that's Put that at the top of my bucket list. I'd love to have Tim Scold on Decibel Geek sometime, doing an Albums Unleashed on that one. That would be great. Hell yeah. All right. All right, the next question comes from Mark Carson, and he says, I'm interested to know what you think of the band Paw, and in particular their (laughs) first album, Dragline, and the song Jesse. Did you guys, this is a question that came in earlier. Did you guys get a chance to check this out? Jesse is the best song about a boy and his dog since me and you and a dog named Boo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That song Shannon is pretty good from the 70s. You remember that one? No. It was like a, a power ballad about a guy that had his dog die. Um, I, uh, you know, I remember advertising for this this band and and I think this record in the '90s, like Metal Edge, and I don't think I ever really gave it a shot. And I gave it a shot this week, and I wish I hadn't. I uh, <laughs> I love I love that you listen to the show, Mark, and I hope you do, that you'll continue to listen to it. So forgive me in advance, but I I thought this was terrible. I listened to the whole record. And it sounded like, I don't know, it sounded like Glenn Danzig trying to do a 7 Mary 3 record. It just sounded so awful to me. I didn't like it. Wow. Now, I only checked out the one song that was uh, suggested, the song Jesse, and I liked it. (laughs) I thought it was pretty good, and it makes me want to check out the rest of the album. But I didn't get a chance, but man, that's harsh. (laughs) Well, if you continue listening to the show, you'll like Aaron a lot more than me, apparently. (laughs) I don't know. I dug it. I thought it was pretty cool. I'm going to check out more of that band. What a weird name, Paw, P-A-W. Yeah. Maybe that's why, that's one of them things, just like uh, Luce was telling us last week, or should I say LC. LC was telling us last (laughs) week about Perfectly Rated. Yeah. Does Paw fit into that? Does that hurt them and make them not big? You say they ain't no good, so maybe that's got something to do with it. I, I just it didn't. I tried. I listened to every single song, and I gave it a real shot. And I was just like, "Oh, this is terrible! I can't listen to it. It's just not for me." Huh? Okay. Interesting. Paul was, Paul was too hard on me. I thought Ma was much nicer to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, Ron's busting out Ma dad jokes. <laughs> No, actually, seriously, I did. I did go and check out Paul, and when he asked this question, and uh, and they were all right, but it was 
obviously from the very beginning a grunge band which I don't have a whole lot of love for because I am a child of the 70s and 80s and really resented grunge coming in and changing my whole uh, musical atmosphere but uh you know that being said you know it was it wasn't bad i thought the jesse song was was okay but yeah i did think it was it was pretty funny that it was all about a guy and his dog and not wanting the dog to follow him or something like that. (laughs) But I did actually check out a couple other things. And uh, I think there was a song uh, uh, now, now I can't remember, but uh, couldn't know or couldn't, couldn't something. And actually I thought that was a, pretty good song but i don't know what album it was it was off of if it was off of the same album or a different album but uh that was a pretty decent song and uh you know they they were all right but uh that's what i say you know it was obviously they were going for that grunge sound of the early 90s and uh it didn't really click with me but you know, I'm not going to be as harsh as Chris is on it. <laughs> <laughs> that that I thought it was all right. All right, cool. Well, listeners, all check right. it out yourself. It's uh, it's a band called Paw. Like I said, P A W. Song called Jesse. Check it out. Let us know in the show notes what you thought of it. Yeah, interesting that a, a band named Paw P A W. And their hit song is about a dog. <laughs> that was that was pretty ironic, but that's okay. why they never made it big. All their songs are about dogs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back into Rock and Ron's lane. Matt oh. Barclay's got a question. He says he wants to know: Is Skid Row without Bach just a Skid Row cover band? Oh, here we go. <laughs> Am I am I taking this one? Go you ahead go first. Well, this is the age old question that keeps coming up of when is it considered a cover band? Uh, you know, and unfortunately, pretty much every band nowadays would be considered a a cover band because they don't have original members in it anymore. But as far as as Skid Row goes, you know, I've seen them a few times in concert, and they do good. And there's, you know, there's still some original members in there. I'm way too far into the Jaeger bombs now to remember who they are, but I know there's there's some uh, some original members in Skid Row. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. Snake Sabo and Rachel Bolin. Yeah, Scotty that's who Hill. I was thinking of. And but uh, you know, in, in all seriousness, it's still not you know with any band, it's not the same, especially with a lead singer. If the lead singer is Don't not that, in the band anymore, it's hard to 
still think of them the the same way as as what they were in their heyday and and that. But as far as calling them a cover band, uh, you know, I don't know what constitutes a cover band. And I think if you have uh, at least a few of the original members or two or three, it's still the the band and they they have the right to call themselves, you know, the name of the band. But then again, you know, when you have bands like, say, Quiet Riot or something that only have, or Foreigner, that have one original member and, uh, you know, they do shows that even they don't even have one original member or something in it. That's definitely a cover band. You know, I don't know if I would consider Skid Row a cover band, but it's definitely not the same without Bach. Yeah, I can definitely agree with you there. It's not the same without Bach because, I mean, it's especially hard for a band like Skid Row because Sebastian Bach was such a huge presence in that band. And with him gone, it obviously is never going to sound the same because nobody will ever sound exactly the same as Sebastian Bach. They've gotten other guys who are awesome singers that can sing just as good as Bach, but it's never going to sound like Sebastian, not perfectly. But I think the thing that keeps Skid Row from not being a cover band is because, one, you've got all the principal songwriters in the band. you got Snake Sabo, you got Rachel Bolin, you got Scotty Hill. That's Skid Row, really. If you want to break it down mathematically, that's totally a band right there. They did stuff with uh, Johnny Solinger on vocals for years. And if you're a fan of hard rock and metal kind of music like we are, if you dug Skid Row back in the day... If you can listen to those albums, um, what are they called? Revolutions Per Minute and mm-hmm. Thick Skin, I think what the other one was called, which yeah. Michael Wagner, I know, produced at least one of them. I, it had to have been Thick Skin. Thick Skin especially, and some of the, a lot of the songs, a lot of the songs on Revolutions are really, really good. Is it Skid Row that you remember from back in the day? No, because it doesn't have Spash Box singing it. Is it a band that's just as good as Skid Row with a different singer? Damn right. You know, those albums are fucking awesome and nobody ever gives them their due. And so they did their thing with Solinger for a while. They've got what ZP Thert is the singer now. Yeah. Yeah, he's an amazing singer. I'm looking forward. I've got all the Skid Row albums that have come out since Sebastian Bach has left or fired or whatever, and I like it all. I like it all a lot, but it's never going to be classic Skid Row. It's always going to be Skid Row with new, different, awesome singers. Yeah, I mean, you you pretty much said everything I would have said. So, I mean, I I would not call them a cover band because, I mean, Snake and Rachel are still the primary songwriters, and... They hold they hold the ownership of the name, so I mean technically it's still Skid Row, but uh, yeah, I mean we all kind of long for the days of Sebastian Bach being in the band, but you know they they've made enough money to where they don't have to work with the guy, so you know my hats off to them and they keep marching forward. Yeah, and the thing is, I think that sets them apart is they don't just rely on the back catalog; they continue to create and produce new music as they go. That's the difference. Yep. All right, let's go to the next one. All right, we got a question from Bill Elam, our good friend. 
You want to know Rock and Ron Runyon? What kind of recording gear are you using for the Decibel Geek TV videos and anything that you don't recommend? <laughs> I hate to give away my secrets here, but uh, I have a little point-and-shoot camera that that does pretty good HD video on it, and I, I also have a, uh, a Zoom H... 5N audio recorder that I do separately and I sync up the audio with the video to make the audio better. Getting close to the the speakers and that has blown out the microphone in my camera. But uh, over the years, I've tried to do the best audio and video that I can on the performances. See, because that's the secret to it, right? Because, I mean, you're not just filming like a football game or a wrestling match or something. You're recording live performances, so the sound quality has to match up to the video quality. You know, ultimately, I love to be in the controlled situations of a venue where I can set up the audio recorder in the back where, uh, you know, it doesn't get a lot of background noise and, uh, you know, the audio is, is better, but I can, I can do the video more up close and, uh, you know, but, but still be behind the majority of people so that I don't block them from their view because, I agree with a lot of people that I do hate that, you know, people put up their cell phones and that nowadays and, and do a lot of, a lot of recording and it interferes with the, the performance. So I do try to stay back in the background and, and get my videos. But as far as what I don't recommend is, that I did, uh, I did get a professional camera to try to be more professional. I got a Nikon camera that uh, you know I thought would would be more professional and and that. But as it turned out, the video was not as great. It probably takes great pictures, but it was not as as good on video, and it was big and bunglesome and and heavy uh, so i've i've always resorted back to just my my little mobile point and shoot camera to to take my video to get the best video possible well i think that's the other side of that too is because you know people talk about it sucks when you're at a show and people are holding up their cell phones but think about that on the other side, you know, where Ron is taking the time to make sure he gets quality audio along with the video. Somebody with their camera might be right there and catching a bunch of cool shots, but you're never going to get the quality audio of somebody that's really doing it right, like Rock and Ron is. You know, I try to do the best I can. Ron, you do an awesome job for us on Decibel Geek, and we really appreciate everything you've done for Decibel Geek TV. Yeah, definitely, for sure. We have uh, another... Uh, a question from Aaron Baker that uh, is also kind of directed to Oh, Aaron, to I love Aaron. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> 
Yeah, his thing is it's not really a question, but he just wants to thank you, Ron, for your advice on getting to talk to Drew Rose of Wildside and not Benny Rindance. <laughs> yeah, that short story, but uh, you know, Aaron is a great kid, and I can say kid because he's actually younger than my kids yeah. that uh, <laughs> uh, he was, this was a few years ago, but he was just starting up his podcast, uh, the bakery podcast. And he had messaged me that uh, Benny Rindance had, had messaged him and uh, was wanting to get together and do an interview and that, and actually, that was my first forte into uh, band drama, which was, uh, you know, that uh, there was some animosity between the band members of Wildside and Benny, and I don't know what the, what the whole story is and that, but... Uh, but I had just told him that Benny is not really the one to talk to, that he should get in touch with Drew. Drew's always been super nice to me over the years from the first time that I saw Wildside reunite and, uh, and is a super nice guy. And I told him that if he got in contact with Drew, that I'm sure that that he would give him an interview and you know it would work out great and he he did the interview with Drew and it came out good and he was very thankful for that and uh you know props to to Aaron and and yeah I was happy to to be able to help him out with that and to get him the interview with Drew. That's super cool, man. Yeah, Aaron Baker's awesome. He was former guest on the show and a great contributor to these quarantine sessions questions. And he's got another one I think this is probably best for Chris. What's the best approach when asking an artist to come on the show? Well, I mean, really for us, it's been uh, talk to them directly. Um, you know, there we have had some good relationships with publicists and PR people. Um, but a lot of the time I typically Facebook, I mean, it's kind of the thing where we do sometimes on Twitter, but, um, try to just have a dialogue with the artist directly and, you know, maybe mention something you like, or, you know, kind of try to break the ice with something without just straight up asking them to come on the show. Right. Kind of let them know that, you know, your shit, you know, give them a compliment on something about theirs, that something that they created that you actually do like. So you come across somebody that's in the know. Yeah. I mean, that's usually what I would do. Um, I would just, you know, say, Hey, I liked X, you know, X album or X song. And then usually that opens them up to saying yes to coming on. Um, as long as you come from a kind of a heartfelt place, it works. Um, the funniest, and actually somebody brought this up to me the other day, um, you know, we really should use Twitter more often because, like, one of the more out-of-the-box guests we have was Alexi Lawless, the uh, soccer player. Right. Who, um, I, you know, he just, he had liked something that we had on, on Twitter, and I saw that he did it, and I remembered him from the 90s because he was like – MTV covered him a lot because he had kind of a, a grunge look. He had the long red hair. Yeah, he and was the, the rock and, and roll soccer player. 
Yeah, and I was like, I remember this guy from when I was in high school, and I just direct messaged him. I'm like, you like the show? And he's like, oh, yeah, I listen every week. And I'm like, really? And he's like, oh, yeah. I was like, I'd love to have you on. He's like, well, I'm a massive rat fan. And I'm like, well, shit, come on and talk about the rat catalog. And next thing you know, we we had a great episode. And um, Yeah, that was a trip how that all worked out. Yeah, it was great. And then I actually got to meet him in person. Um, I helped get him into NAM when I went to NAM in California. And we got to hang out for an afternoon. And super, super nice guy. Um, But yeah, just, you know, just remember that these people are people. They're not, um, you know, alien beings or whatever. Of course, Vinnie Vincent might be a different story. But, um, (laughs) you know, uh, just remember that they're people and, you know, come to them with your appreciation for what they do. And uh, usually most of the time it works out. I agree. And I agree as as well. I don't, you know, I don't uh, have a podcast show to to put people on, but I agree wholeheartedly with with Chris. Uh, if I deal with the artists themselves, the majority of the time, as I said before, they're completely open to filming the shows and doing promo stuff, and and that, and they're you know they're for the most part great to work with. It's the the management and and that that always seem to cause the problems. But the you know if you treat them like Chris said as as just people and not you know I try not to fanboy out on uh, meeting people and just just treat them as I would any other person. It seems to always work out good and. They love to to do anything they can to to get their name out there. Right on. Awesome question. All right, here's one from Andrew Jacobs, another awesome co- contributor to the quarantine sessions. And this is another question for Ron. He wants to know, when did you discover Decibel Geek? Do you remember the specific episode? And how did you come to run their YouTube channel? Since Chris already warned me to quit rambling on, I'm going to try to make this as short as possible. Oh, no, this is, this is the one we want you to really embellish on, though. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I can't remember a specific episode because it was certainly uh, the timeline would have been uh, late 2015. Uh, that I was working nights at the time. As some people may know, I am a truck driver during the day, and uh, I was working a night shift at this time, and I was looking for something, something new other than just just music to entertain me and keep me awake at night. So I started looking into podcasts, and uh, you know, had downloaded many different podcasts. And uh, had looked up like what I was interested in, and and one thing, of course, I put in was was Kiss. And when I put in Kiss, of course, I got quite a few podcasts that were solely, you know, devoted to Kiss. No, which yeah, which I didn't want to, you know, just listen to podcasts only talking about Kiss. Even though I love them, uh, you know, I can only take so much of 
of just talking about Kiss. Not only, uh, just mostly. I did, uh, you know, like four or five episodes of of each podcast, and I would listen to them. And, uh, you know, Decibel Geek struck a chord with me to where they were – they were not only talking about Kiss, but was talking about, you know, all the other bands I love and the, the music of, of the 80s and that that, uh, that I loved. So it struck a chord with me, and I that was one of my favorites. And I kind of, at the, at the same time, I do remember that I think it was the Viking episode. <laughs> Viking which Rock. Which would have been around the end of 2015 when uh, you guys actually read my iTunes review, which was way longer than it should have been, which goes back to Chris talking about me rambling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a theme here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, go on. <laughs> anyways, that that they they actually read my iTunes review on the Viking episode, which I thought was really cool. And at the same time, or right around the same time, you guys started up the uh, Patreon VIP program. And I may be wrong, but I was the first or at least one of the first that signed up for a VIP and which by the way, I still pay twenty dollars a month for, even though I provide all the content for it. But that's <laughs> another story. And anyways. We owe you money. Yes. <laughs> I, I I still support you guys regardless. So so I had I had started on the VIP and and just for the fun of it I had done a couple of videos which was really cheesy and amateur because that's what I had at the time. Uh, there was funny videos of Chris and Aaron and just making fun of them. I think it was a there was a Star Wars video where I did headshots of of them on Star Wars characters and <laughs> stuff like that, which was it was really stupid and cheesy. But anyways, then when I was doing that, Chris had messaged me and said, would you be interested in running the YouTube channel? And I knew nothing whatsoever about YouTube. Is, is that Chris cutting me off again? And <laughs> yes, your ti- your timer is up. <laughs> My time is up. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so he asked me to if I wanted to run the YouTube channel, and I said sure. I had a vision in my head of of wanting to create video episodes and do visual. So if especially to the year in review yeah. episodes that I wanted to add the visuals to. And so that's what I started out with. And that's, that's what I, uh, started doing. And, uh, it just went from there. I love the experiences that I've 
I've had with Decibel Geek, and and it pretty much changed my life. You know, it so might be a little. I thank you guys for that, man. Ron, awesome. That is so cool. And I got to say, out of all the things that we've done over the years, I think some some of our most well received themes were the year in review episodes that Chris and I have done, and. You know, it might be a little selfish to me to say this, but my favorite episodes of things, my favorite things that go up on Decibel Geek TV are the episodes that you do when you take the year in review episodes and add so much to it. And it becomes like a TV show, like a real snapshot in time. So it's not just us narrating it, but it's so much more than that. And that's awesome. So if you guys have never seen one of Rock and Ron's year in review episodes on decibel geek tv you got to check that out it's super cool yeah i love i love those and uh yeah I, this, all the stuff you've done for the episodes it definitely like takes it on to a whole different kind of dimension because yeah. like like i actually get to enjoy the episode all over again with visual stuff so thank you for doing that you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the next question. All right, here's one from the Podfather. The Podfather, the one and only Ken Mills. I guess this one must be Ken Mills. This one must be directed at Ron too, because he wants to know how expensive is it to maintain your stunning good looks. Oh, that's definitely, definitely to me, (laughs) (laughs) and humble too. That's part one of a two-part question. Part two is, are you surprised at how big this whole thing is, how far the reach of it all is? So part one was how expensive is it to uh, maintain my stunning good looks? Uh I I will tell you that it is quite expensive (laughs) because, uh, you know, for 20-plus years now, I've... I've had to buy razor blades, which uh, are quite expensive for my uh, bald, shaved head. But since this uh, COVID thing, I I now actually have a full head of hair. And it's gray, but it's a full head of hair. <laughs> so, so, yes, it's, it's expensive, and it's so expensive that that I've gotten too lazy to to shave it. And uh, part two, as far as how big it is and how far <laughs> reaching. Uh, That's not what he meant, Ron. That's not what he meant. You know, <laughs> you know people, people told me that it was above average when I was born. So, so it was, it was a natural growth. And you know I'm I'm pretty proud of that. And uh, you know, yes, I am amazed at how far reaching it is. All right, Ron, you were right. We are going to regret having you on the show. Oh man! <laughs> I think the first question is more directed at Ron's wife, Dawn, than him. Uh huh. <laughs> what would she say? Oh, is that not what he was talking about? Uh, what was he talking well, about? Well, I was like, what would what would Don say is how you maintain your stunning good looks? <laughs> no, she she would talk more about how big it is. Oh God! 
Don't do that shit when I'm in mid-drink, damn it. <laughs> I know. I, I spit all over my keyboards. Uh, <laughs> Ken Mills, I hate you for asking that question. I, I love you for asking that question. <laughs> you are the pod father. <laughs> all hail. Oh, oh man. All right. Moving on. Tim Bream, <laughs> our good friend. He wants to know. I know he's a huge Lizzie Borden fan. He wants to know Lizzie Borden's midnight things. Yay or nay? Oh, big yay. I love that record. I know Aaron didn't like it as much as me, but I love that record. Yeah, I'm going to go yeah, I guess. I mean,. Man, all those years of waiting for a new Lizzie Borden album and being a fan of what the Lizzie Borden was that I remembered, I was hugely let down by that album, you know, and I and I don't hate it. It's not terrible. It's just not the Lizzie Borden that I knew and what I was expecting and really what I was hoping for. It's not bad. I haven't really gone back to it since I got it, but I was so excited to get it, but once I got it, yeah, it just kind of sits on the shelf now. Well, I don't know about that album specifically, but I can tell you, you know, going back to you asking what my favorite performances were, I can tell you that I wasn't a really big Lizzie Borden fan. I had heard some things here and there, but uh, I had heard you guys talk about how great he was and stuff over the years. And, Luckily, on the last uh, Monsters of Rock cruise, I was able to finally see him in concert and see him perform, which I do have video of on Decibel Geek TV. And uh, I was blown away with his performance, and and it was just awesome, and all the songs were awesome, and I am now a huge fan of Lizzie Borden and he even shared the videos on his website which was really cool nice so uh I am a huge fan of Lizzie now and have gone back and and listened to to many things over the years of what he does I've got all of his albums on my iPod you know so a big yay for me I love Lizzie Borden hell yeah to that all right. Awesome. Uh, he also wants to know Paul Stanley stool sedation. <laughs> stool sedation. I guess we're getting to the point in the night where I start to slur when you try Is to that say supposed things to like be soul station. Uh, I so. No, I think it's definitely supposed to be stool station. Uh, okay. are, are we looking forward it. to this or will we pass? I, I'm not really a big fan of scat rock, so I'm going to say I'll pass. You not much knowledge of Paul Stanley's Soul Station, or especially Stool Station, or whatever he's <laughs> saying. But uh, you know, if I see something on it, I may give it a chance. But uh, I'll say right now, uh, I'll pass. Yeah, believe it or not. I'm not really a big jazz guy, so I'm not really... It's not really, jazz. Not really. It's, yeah, it's I was pretty much say, is. is that what it is, jazz? No, it's like it's, Motown songs. Nah. 
I like Motown, no but I'd rather listen to Motown than Paul Stanley trying to croak his way through Motown. Yeah, no, I don't. I'm not interested. I mean, and I should be. I mean, I I want to be. You know, I want to be excited about anything Paul Stanley's going to do, but I'm not excited about this. I don't. I'm not down with the saxophones and shit. So yeah, just I'll, because it's Paul Stanley doesn't mean I'm gonna. I'm going to be uh, full-heartedly into it. So, yeah. If I this was a Paul Stanley hard rockin' solo project, I'd be all about it. That, I, that I'll go for. I did love the Paul Stanley solo album. I even like the Live to Win. That album's grown on me over time. Yeah, it's got some pretty good songs on it, I'll say. Yeah. All right. Tim wants to also know once sinking Stanley and the imposters actually pack it in at the end of the road, do you think the legacy of the band will be the original four and the imposters will just be a fart in the wind? <laughs> It'll be the original four. The and, legacy is always the original four. Yeah. And I, and I say that kind of hesitantly because I got into kissed in the eighties when they had no makeup on and it was Bruce and Eric Carr, but and I still have a deep love for that stuff and uh, the Revenge era, the Carnival of Souls, all that. But, I mean, let's face it. To the general public, it's going to be Gene, Paul, Peter, and Ace. I mean, that, that's going to be the way it always is going to be. As I think it should be. Yeah, the 80s stuff was great, you know, for what they were doing then. But that's not KISS. KISS was the number one band in the world in 1977, not 1987. As great as all that music is, as great as all the members that came after the original four are, you know, it's just never going to be anything but that. When you think of Kiss, you got to think of 1977, 1978 Kiss, around in there. You know, that's what's burned into the psyche of the world, you know. It's it's the pop icon, icon, I got to have another drink. <laughs> you know what I mean. It's the original four. It's always been the original four, and the original four era of Kiss will always be the best. Yep. I got to agree with you young whippersnappers that got into Kiss in the 80s, but I actually got into Kiss when a, uh, a classmate of mine in elementary school brought the Destroyer album to school and showed it to me and said, you got to listen to this. And we went to his house after school we turned out all the lights, and, except for black lights, which is something we had in the 70s, kids. I remember black lights, Ron. <laughs> we had them, too. The and, awesome and we had the, the black lights on with his black light posters and put on Destroyer. And, you know, we had the whole uh, intro with the car crash and... And uh, and I was just blown away. It was like a religious experience, and I remember it to this day. To me, Kiss is always the original four. I do love, you know, that they've kept going all these years, and you know, more power to them. And you know, I love the stuff that they had done in the eighties and and nineties and. And that, but to me, my heart is always with the original four. And 
and no matter when they actually hang it up in my heart, it'll still be the original four. And, you know, no disrespect to Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer. Uh, you know, I get that, that they took it on and, you know, I've gotten a lot of criticism and that, but, uh, you know, regardless, I'm still with the original four and that's, that's what I'm a fan of is the kiss of the seventies. And that's unanimous. Grayson Gallagos wants to know, Hey man, what be this and what be that? And why you got to look like that? Don't forget that part. And I have the, I have the answer to that one because I am cool and I am the breeze. That is correct. (laughs) Do I get a point? Not yet. (laughs) You haven't had a point this whole time, Ron. (laughs) Well, that is true. (laughs) He's had them. It's just taken a while to get to them. That's true. Yeah. It's just delayed. Point. It just, yeah, it takes me a while. (laughs) Anyways, move on. Our awesome friend David Cathy wants to know, okay, this is for all of you. Name one rocker that has left us way too soon, and what do you think they would become or not become? Would they have gotten to be one of the biggest rock stars on the planet or just another average star? Well, It's an interesting uh, question with a lot of different angles to it. Tough question. I First thing that comes to mind is Eric Carr. He's the one who left way too soon. And I don't think he would still be in Kiss. I think he would have left the band because there was a lot of tension there when he left. And I'm going to say he would have wound up maybe playing for like Foreigner or a band like that. But I still think he'd be out there drumming today if he were still around. If he was still around, do you think Kiss would have... How would the Hall of Fame have gone down if Eric Carr was still alive? The same. Because because the people that are in charge of the Hall of Fame are clueless assholes, and the, and they would have continued to say what well, has to be the original band. It'd have been the same treatment that Bruce Kulick got. Oh yeah, because of the fucking Illuminati again. Yeah, of course. That damn Illuminati. All right, Ron, what do you think? Uh, like I said, that that is a very good but tough question because you can. You know, I agree with Chris. My first and foremost thought was Eric Carr because that's uh, that's the one that really strikes deep with uh, losing way too soon. But I also agree with him that, you know, he would be a hired gun uh, in some other band and that so he wouldn't be a legend per se, but he would still be drumming. As far as, you know, him talking about uh, legends, like, comes to mind, like Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, people like that, that that were gone too soon. I really don't think that, uh, you know, especially Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, and that would have went on to, you know, become legend. I think they're, they're pretty much legends because they died so young, which I'll probably get a lot of flack for saying, but, uh, 
you know, I I don't know if they would have continued on into their uh, 60s, 70s, and that that they would have been what they what they are today because of dying young. Uh, Jimi Hendrix might have been the one that would have went on to do you know better things. I really wish some people would have went on to to put out more music and they were gone too soon. Of course, Randy Rhodes comes to mind, you know, he would have probably been, been a legend and done a lot more things. I also think about, uh, like, uh, the members of Leonard Skinner, Ronnie Van Zant and the others that, that died in the plane crash because Leonard Skinner was never the same. Yeah. After that, and they may have put out some more great music that, you know, would have uh, stood the test of time and and would have enabled them to to move on to where they're pretty much stuck in the the, uh, 70s and that of what what they did before the plane crash. Yeah, you know they would have. The same can be said about about a lot of people. Uh, Ronnie James Dio, Janie Lane, the list goes on of what they could have contributed to to putting out if they would have lived long enough. And uh, you know, it is a shame that that a lot of them died too young. Ron, you bring up an awesome point about you like. The classic bands like the Janis Joplin's, the Jimi Hendrix, the the Jim Morrison. What what would Jim Morrison? What what kind of music would he have been creating in the eighties? You know, what would he have been doing when hard rock and metal was king? Would he have tried to do something like that, or it would have been completely different? And there's no denying that the Doors definitely did sell a lot more albums after Jim Morrison died than when he was alive, and they were damn popular when he was alive, but. You know, you always got to wonder, you know, what what would they have come out with? Especially when you think of, like, Morrison, especially Jimi Hendrix. What would have Jimi Hendrix done going into, like, the 70s, into the 80s? What kind of music would he have been creating? It's it's almost mind-blowing to wonder what that would have been like. That's kind of what I'm saying, that, you know, all we have is what they had put out before they died. And... You know, I don't know how the Doors or Janis Joplin or or people like that, how well they would have been able to transition into, you know, the late 70s and, and 80s and now with the musical climate of what they could have been able to put out. Unfortunately, we'll never know whether... They could have put out uh, great stuff and been able to transition into the 80s and so forth, or whether they would have burned out and, you know, just been average and been a footnote or something. But, you know, unfortunately, we'll we'll never know whether they they could have been the, the biggest stars on the planet, as he put it, and... Or whether they would have been average and just kind of and would have just away. been going off of what they did in the late sixties and early seventies. You know, speaking of rock legends that we lost, I mean, we just got the word today that Little Richard died. Yeah, 
That's yeah, wild, that's a, man. That's a big loss because, like, definitely, I I saw one of the greatest things was like even Gene Simmons posted about it, and you know, like some people say, Little Richard was the king, the real king of rock and roll, right. but. Uh, uh, he met Little Richard, and R- Little Richard corrected him. He says, no, I'm the architect of rock and roll, which I think is pretty fitting. That's damn true. you know. And I was thinking about Little Richard, thinking, man, that guy was way ahead of it and also right on time at the same time. Yeah, legendary. Yeah, that is a shame. It's It's really tough nowadays that we're losing a lot of our legends. It's just time and everybody's getting older but uh you know we're losing our our legends and little richard i love little richard and you know he did a a lot and you know pioneered the rock and roll that we know today and and that and it's a really shame that we did lose him but unfortunately we're losing a lot of them. Yeah, and like uh, a natural you know. resource, it kind of sucks because we're not replenishing them. We're losing a lot of rock legends, but we're not getting any new ones to take their place. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. You guys ready to move on? Let's do it. I was going to say, you still with us, Chris? I'm still here. Okay. One of our favorite people in the entire world... Courtney Cronin Dold's got a question. She wants to know. Oh, Courtney, I love you. All right, move on. Will lip syncing make a comeback so people don't spit on microphones from singing for real? I told her to ask Paul Stanley. Yeah. Well, I think lip syncing is definitely going to become more prevalent because it'll be so much harder to tell when somebody's lip syncing because they're wearing a face mask. (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty well said <laughs> all right nice one Courtney. i'm wearing a face mask right now so i don't spit on the microphone you know one of the worst things i ever smelled in my entire life was one of those spit guards on a microphone at the radio oh, station i worked at you aren't kidding that's it like is the worst yeah. Yeah, the smell of a well-used microphone Ugh. is one of the grossest things in the world. Oh, it flutters my stomach a little bit just thinking back to that time. And that was like <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> Drink some more Jaeger, Ron. Ron just sniffed his own microphone. <laughs> All right. Hello. All right, Keith Rockford wants to know. On. Please move on. Keith Rockford Keith wants to know, thoughts on Saigon Kick? My belief is they didn't fit in either rock, metal, or alternative at the time and got overlooked. Killer band that got lumped in with other rock bands because of their ballad. That's 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 pretty spot on. I mean, 100%. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, Love is on the Way was their calling card. I hated that their, song. It was their big hit, but it really didn't reflect the rest of the band's catalog. And, I mean, I think... You know, the first Saigon Kick record, and then also, I love the Water record that, that Beeler did as the singer. I, I, You know, there's a lot of great stuff there, but yeah, I mean, they got lumped in with the hairband thing, because Love is on the Way. I mean, whether you like it or not, it's a hairband, hair power ballad, I mean, easily. 
Yeah, my good friend Jason back in the day had the CD, or he may even been cassette back then, of The Lizard. And he's like, oh, you got to check out this band. And I'm like, yeah, I already heard that on MTV. It sucks. I don't want nothing to do with it. I heard the song. And it's like, no, no, you got to check it out. I was like, no, no, this is another one of them bands. It's not for me. It's for the ladies. And he's he was persistent. He's like, no, you've got to listen to the whole album. And then he played it. And I was like, holy shit. Love is on the way is by far the worst song on this album, and the rest of it is just killer. Yep. I was deceived. They didn't want me to be a fan, but I became a fan anyway. <laughs> uh, well, I agree with you guys that uh you know, I was not a big fan. Uh, I think power ballads really killed a lot of bands or put them in a category of where their most popular songs were these power ballads. And, uh, you know, they did so much more rocking music other than that. And because of that, I was not a, not a fan of Saigon kick. I did not hear much of anything other than love is on the way. And I hated that song. And, a plug to Decibel Geek TV again that I got to to meet Jason Beeler and he is such an awesome guy and yeah. so funny. Uh, along with Jeff Scott Soto, uh, they did an acoustic concert here in Denver, and uh, they were such great guys. And that was another concert that, even though it was acoustic, it blew me away and. When Jason played a lot of the Saigon Kick songs, it gave me a new appreciation, and I had to go back and listen to to some of the old Saigon Kick albums, especially The Lizard. And there were some rockin' tunes on that that definitely didn't reflect the the Love Is On The Way ballad that, that came out. They had some rocking tunes on that. And, uh, you know, so I am again, a big fan of Saigon kick because of, of that show and meeting Jason and, and that. So, yeah, I gotta say, I'm, I love Saigon kick and, and they are definitely not, should not be, you know, pigeonholed into what their popular power ballad song was, which is the case with a lot of the the 80s bands. Yeah, do not judge Saigon Kick by Love Is On The Way, just like don't judge Extreme by that song. What was their song? More Than Words. More Than Words, just oh like don't God. judge Enough's Enough on Fly High Michelle. So many of them bands fell into that trap. Well, that was what was was certainly popular, and you know, tons of bands. You know, like like Foreigner was, you know, their biggest hit. What the hell was it? Uh, I want to know what love is, and and that. But yet, I knew Foreigner from their earlier albums. You know, Cold as Ice, and and. And hot blooded and yeah. things like that that Give were me blue rocking. Monday any day. And uh, you know, 
a lot of people didn't know how how rocking these bands were and how good music they put out you know because of the power ballad being the the most popular song and what what the majority of the public heard Yep, yep. Well, and you can also blame uh, Foreigner for I Want to Know What Love Is for two reasons. One, because it's not that great of a ballad, and two, it's the soundtrack to the Gene Simmons sex tape, which nobody <laughs> needs to see. <laughs> oh, man, you just blew one of my Kiss Round trivia questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> hey, because of that tape, I keep my socks on every time I have sex. <laughs> yeah. I just love the fact that Gene Simmons got the nickname Socks because yeah. of that tape. <laughs> the influence of Gene Simmons is far-reaching. I'm alone when I do that, but I still have my socks. <laughs> All right. And okay, oh, Aaron, we need to do a lightning round here, and I promise I won't ramble. But we need to get some of these awesome listener questions in. Okay. <laughs> All right, we got a few more. Let's see what else we got here. Um, Mike Taylor wants, or Mike Tyler wants to know, what's your favorite thrash metal bands that are not in the Big Four? Ron, I'm out. I'm out. You don't get into thrash metal at all. <laughs> no thrash metal for Ron. Next question. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I'm going to say Overkill, Suicidal Tendencies, Testament, uh, Sod. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Overkill Testament. Those are mine. Uh, Mark Alden Taylor wants to know, if there wasn't Kiss, what would be your favorite band? Ooh. Alice Cooper. Black Sabbath. Uh, I'm going to go with ACDC. That was my second band that I saw in concert and and probably only one of the few bands that I can listen to everything on. See so, those, now you I know ACDC. Now you know the kind of people you're dealing with here. Those are all three quality ass answers right there. Yeah. Uh, which Pantera album is better, Cowboys from Hell or Vulgar Display of Power? That comes from Jeff Reed. Uh oh. I'd I'd still go with Cowboys because I I like the the soloing on it better. Man, I love them both. I'm gonna go at this moment with Vulgar, but that can change in the next 10 minutes. Yeah, they both rule. Ron? Yeah, they're both awesome. Okay, fuck. I haven't heard. And, but my wife told me Cowboys was the better album. So I'm going to go with Cowboys. We'll take her word for it. She knows what she's talking about. <laughs> Mick Watkins wants to know who's the real Prince of Darkness, Alice Cooper or Ozzy Osbourne? Uh, I'd go with Alice personally. Personally, I got to go with Alice as well. I love Ozzy Osbourne, but uh, I love Alice better. I love and Alice Cooper too, but Ozzy is the Prince of fucking Darkness. Everybody knows that. And last question from Cal Hens, my good friend. I went to high school with this guy. Always like Cal a lot. Uh, he says, Winger, pull. Holy crap. I recently purchased this on vinyl and while listening was blown away by the production, songs, etc. 
I like the album back in the day, but damn, almost every song is great. What are your thoughts? You guys familiar with the Winger album Pull? Yeah, I I like it. I I I don't rate it as highly as a lot of other fans do. I'll personally take the first two Winger's album albums over Pull myself, but I do like Pull. It, it is a good album. I always like that song Down Incognito. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Good single choice for them. But the last, and it's been a while since I listened to Pull. It's been a long, long while. And I really need it because I got the CD. I should uh, get that one back out and give it a spin. But to me, that one was like, I don't know. Winger was tough for me because they were like the band that was for the ladies. And I always had a hard time getting into them. So it took me a long time to accept them. And it was in the Decibel Geek era when I really gave it a shot after talking to Paul Taylor and what a cool guy he is. It was like the same thing with, uh, with talking to Mike Tramp that time, you know, it made me revisit that white lion. It did the same thing with me with winger. And, you know, the first couple of albums are pretty good, you know, and, and pull is completely different. It's the same band, I guess, but it's completely different than anything they did up to that point. And I actually prefer pull a little bit to the earlier stuff. I I agree with both of you. With whatever you said. <laughs> we said conflicting things, but you agree with both of them. Great answer, Ron. Oh All man. Right. I got a good buzz on. These were a lot of good questions today. Hey, wasn't wasn't there a question of a fifty fifty thing we can do a lightning round on? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay, so Andrew Jacobs goes, and you got to be fast with your answer. Toys in, Toys in the Attic or Rocks? I would go with Rocks. Rocks, definitely. Toys in the Attic. All right. Dynasty or Unmasked? I would go with Dynasty. Definitely Dynasty. Dynasty. Animalize or Asylum? I'd go with Asylum. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to say Animalize. What do we say? Animalize or asylum? Animalize. Okay. And these come from Andrew Jacobs, by the way. Um, Love you, Andrew. Great. Great, great supporter of the show. Yeah. Always right. has been. Uh, Blizzard of Oz or Diary of a Madman? I'm going to go with Blizzard. Oh. oh, shit. That's tough. Oh, that's tough. Mm, I'm going to say Diary. Yeah, I actually have to agree with Aaron. I'm I'm going to go with uh, Diary. I remember seeing the Blizzard of Oz when it first came out at the record store, and I loved the cover. But uh, I think the first Ozzy album I listened to was Diary, and I loved it. And then I went back to Blizzard and and went forward with the rest of what he put out and. Loved everything he put out, but I have to go with Diary. All right. Um, all Holy good. Diver or Last in Line? I'd go with Holy Diver. <sighs> That's another tough one. Damn it. Um, I like yeah, them both. I love them both, too. Holy Diver. Well, since Last in Line was also one of them that threatened to sue me for putting videos up. Oh, no. <laughs> I have to go with Holy Diver. <laughs> it's still Vivian Campbell, Ron. No, seriously, <laughs> Holy Diver is a classic. Yeah, I have right. with that. Um, use your illusion one or two. I'm going to go with Appetite for Destruction. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, those are too hard to differentiate because. Uh, oof, I guess <laughs> How did you say? That? I'll take another drink. <laughs> <laughs> to me, all it's right, all Ron, the same album. I, I don't remember what was on what. <laughs> I <laughs> would. Those, um, so I'll would, say Illusion One and Two both. Yeah, I would. I would cut down half the songs from each and make make them into one album. Exactly. It should have been one great album instead of two albums. Yeah. yeah. They can right. release the leftovers later. <laughs> All right. Is that it, or is there more? That's it. Is that All it? Right. Oh, what a damn. crazy now adventure this has been! This. We haven't even got to the game show yet. We have to go into this game show now? Yes, Ron. It's tradition. It's quarantine session tradition to do the game show. And you know what? Thanks to Loose Cannon, we've got game show music this week. Oh, great. So if you're ready, it is now time for Beat the Geek! Alright, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the most awesome game show in rock and roll. This is gonna be something else here, I, I think. It's asking me yeah, to something re- else. It's, it's, it's asking it. me to reload. Something went wrong, it said. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> Even your questions are like, fuck this. <laughs> why why does every time Aaron goes into that, I picture the end of Hot for Teacher? With David Lee Roth doing his little game show. That's about right. Hosting thing. That's because that's how Aaron Camaro sees himself in his own head. (laughs) I believe it. Oh, my God. All right. This is going to be pretty awesome. We, I've got some yeah. good questions for you guys today. You guys know how it works? Wasted for this. Sober or not. All right, go ahead. This is the game show that goes to 11. It is Beat the Geek. Got 11 questions. Got Rock and Ron on one side, Chris Sinzak on the other. Chris Sinzak is the geek. You are on a losing streak, but today's your chance to redeem yourself as the geek as you face off against the reluctant Rock and Ron Runyon who had wanted nothing to do with any of this. If he's the geek, what am I? We're going to figure that out. All right, are you guys ready? Yeah. No. (laughs) All right, Chris, you're up first. This is going to be a real test for you because I'm going to ask you some questions about some of your favorite artists. And your very first question is this. Alice Cooper's real name is Vincent Damon Fernier. Is it Fernier? Fernier? How do you say it, Chris? Fernier. Fernier, Vincent Damon Fernier. The name Vincent comes from an uncle on his father's side. Who is he named after in regards to his middle name, Damon? Rock and Ron, do you think Chris knows who Alice Cooper is named after? Oh, this is Chris, Chris's question. Okay. Do you, uh, does he know it? Does he know it? No, he doesn't know it. All right, Chris, he's betting against you. Your choices are, was he named after Mayor Damon Draper? Was he named after singer Damon Wayne, writer Damon Runyon, or chaplain Yay, Damon Runyon. O'Neill? Uh, I will say the chaplain was the, the correct answer. 
That is incorrect. In Rock and Ron show this, he was named after writer Damon Runyon. Any relation? Ooh, that's my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he is, but he's my grandfather. All Anybody right, well, named Runyon is some relation to me. Well, since you knew that and he is your grandfather, which you should know that, and you bet against Chris and Chris got it wrong, that's one point for Rock and Ron. And I'm, oh, I, I'm really going to lose to a guy that's been doing Jaeger bombs <laughs> all night long. We shall see. Oh, because shit, now... I actually got a point by default? or Yeah, you yeah. did. Okay, I like this game now. All right, well, (laughs) let's see how it goes because it's your question. Rock and Ron, who since since 1969 is the only constant member of Uriah Heep? Chris, does Ron know his Uriah Heep? I'm going to say he knows it. All right, Ron, he's not betting against you. Your choices are guitarist Mick Box, drummer Roger Penlington, Drummer Nigel Olson or bassist Cram Jansen? All right, let me first say, are you fucking serious, Camaro? Yeah, that's the question. Let's 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 you know re-answer, re-question, <laughs> re-question, question. <laughs> something about Araya Heap. Okay, okay, go ahead. Who? Since 1969 is the only constant member of Uriah Heep. So Uriah Heep's been around since the late 60s. They've had a whole lot of different members come through the band. Only one guy has been there all along. Your choices are guitarist Mick Box, drummer Roger Penlington, drummer Nigel Olson, or bassist Cram Jansen. Um... And Chris actually said, I know this. He's not um, betting against you. Well, I actually do know that Nigel Olson, I recognize that name. He was the drummer for Elton John. Um, so... <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> You're actually going to go long-winded on a multiple-choice question. Holy shit. Just pick one, Ron. Can, can I call a friend? <laughs> no. <laughs> you well, call, call, I want to call Chris and Zach. Um, <laughs> doesn't work that way. I'll give you the wrong answer. Chris will be like, oh, hang on a second. My phone's ringing. <laughs> it's Ron. <laughs> All right. Well, what, what, what was the answers again? Or the okay. Choices. Once again, your choices are guitarist Mick Box, drummer Roger Penlington, drummer Niall Jill Olson, or bassist Cram Jansen. So we had two drummers in there. Um. What was the first one? (laughs) (laughs) This could be an epic, long episode of the Beat the Geek. The first one was guitarist Mick Box. I'm going to try. What did we say? 
guitarist Mick Box. Drum- All right, I'm going with Mick Box. God damn it. That is correct. <laughs> God, God damn it, what? That is correct. <laughs> All right, did so Rock and Ron gets a point that, for Chris? getting it correct. I but did actually know that, damn it. Chris did not bet against you. You sh- you, you didn't need to call him because you guessed right. <laughs> Do I get a point? So yes. that's a point for you. That puts Ron up two to nothing on Chris. Two to nothing. All right, Chris, time for your question. Almost every member of the Ramones were born in the New York, New Jersey area. But which original member was born in Hungary? Ron, you know you know Chris is a big fan of the Ramones, but does he yeah, know the answer know. to this and question? This is rigged. <laughs> you asking Ramones questions. So what, was the, what was the question again? Oh, my God. <laughs> Which member of the Ramones was born in Hungary? Does he? Oh. Do you think he knows it? I'm going to say no. <laughs> All right, Chris, he's betting against you. Which member yes, of the Ramones was born in Hungary? Was it Joey, Dee Dee, Tommy, or Johnny? It was Dee Dee. That is incorrect. Oh, it was Tommy that was really? born in Hungary. Johnny was actually born in Virginia. The other two were born in New York, New Jersey. I swear I thought Dee Dee grew up in like Germany or Hungary. That's fucked up. Yep, you got them mixed up. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Shut up, Ron. <laughs> Too bad for you there, geek. Oh, you're going to get out on me now. <laughs> All right, Ron did not bet against you, so no points awarded. <laughs> I, I did bet against Oh, you did him. bet against him. I did. No, he did. Well, yeah, I guess actually he did. He did. Yeah, I did. Do That's I right. So Ron gets a point. Uh, yeah, it makes right, it three to nothing. Rock and Ron, who didn't even want to play this game. <laughs> I'm going to lose again to Rock and Ron. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ron, are you ready for your next question? Oh, uh, no. Well, too bad. Can we just stop now? No. I'm ahead. No. You're up by three points. You're doing good. All right, your question is this. Joseph Michael Poole is better known by this stage name. Chris, does Rock and Ron know who Joseph Michael Poole is? Well, I got to catch up, so I'll say no. All right, he is betting against you, Ron. Your choices are Oz Fox, Buckethead, Wednesday 13, or Davy Vane. So who was it, Joseph Michael Levitt? joseph michael pool joseph michael pool is that oz fox buckethead wednesday 13 or davy vane oh did chris bet against me yes yes he did um What's the what's the the list again? Oz Fox, <laughs> Buckethead, Wednesday Thirteen, or Davy Vane? Uh, 
Gene Simmons. Don't confuse him. I'm sorry. Joseph Poodle is... (laughs) Stop it. Stop it. Okay. (laughs) Um, Just say A, B, C, or D, please. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. You said Buckethead, Wednesday... Wednesday 13, Davey Vane, Buckethead, Roz Fox. Wednesday 13. That is correct. (laughs) My God. (laughs) And since Chris bet against you, that's two points. (laughs) That's two points. (laughs) Oh, man. That brings the score to six to nothing. (laughs) Six? Yeah. You still think it's rigged? Yes. Fuck you. <laughs> oh man! Oh shit! This is great. All I right, Chris, time for your next question. Oh, who cares anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Bring them on! I, I'm on a roll. <laughs> if you're still listening, you're incredibly drunk. <laughs> I'm still Along, listening. Cheers to and you! I'm incredibly drunk. Cheers oh. to all you guys. Let's go. All right, Chris, your question. On the credits for Wild America, Tora Tora thanks all of the following bands except Ron, you know Chris is a big fan of Tora Tora. Does he know the answer to this question? Please bet against me so I have a shot. So, so they thanked all of the bands except <laughs> this one. There's four bands. Three of them were thanked. One was not. Three of them were thanked, and one was not. Does Chris know it? Uh, I'm going to bet against him just for the hell of it. All right, Ron's betting against you, Chris. Your choices are Kicks, Taiketo, Poison, and Dangerous Toys. Oh, fuck. Um, Yeah, and you acted like you knew it. I don't know (laughs) I'm just trying to get points where I can to beat your drunk ass. Um, I don't think they did any dates opening for Poison, so I'm going to say Poison. That is correct. Poison is the band that did not get thanked in the credits for Wild America. So Chris gets a point. I told you it was rigged. And Rock and Ron bet against him, so Chris gets another point. Oh, two to six. Yeah. That is yeah. Not right. I'm totally killing it. It's so rigged. All right. Well, we got a little ways to go, and you can easily still turn this around because we haven't even hit the kiss round yet. So the next question goes to Rock and Ron. Ron, are you ready? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Simple and sweet. What oh. color are Ozzy's eyes? What cover? What? <laughs> what cover has Ozzy's eyes on it? Oh my god! Let me repeat the question. <laughs> Did I lose you, Aaron? I'm sorry. Go lost ahead. You lost all of us, Ron. <laughs> yes, go ahead. What color are Ozzy Osbourne's eyes? Chris, 
Does Ron know what color Ozzy's eyes are? I, I have to bet against him every time now, so no. <laughs> All right, Ron. Well, well Chris is betting you against you. Your choices. Black. Your choices are blue, green, brown, or gray. I thought they were black. As yeah, his soul. <laughs> Glowing <laughs> red. The Prince of Darkness. They should be black. Uh, what did you say again? Blue, green, brown, or gray. Uh, is gray even a color of eyes? Um, blue, blue, green, brown, gray. I I don't know. Green. That is correct. Oh, no shit. <laughs> green? And green. And since, and since Chris bet green. against you, that's two more points. All right, I'm hanging up. <laughs> did he did he bet against me? He I did. did, motherfucker. Then I get two points. <laughs> that brings the score to 8 to 2. Now 20? 8 to no. 2. Okay. That's a pretty damn good score. We're not even to the kiss round yet. We got one more question before we get to it, and it is Chris's I'm question. The kiss round right now. <laughs> Chris, you ready? Why not? According to iTunes, this is Motley Crue's most popular song. <laughs> Rock and Ron, do you think he knows the answer? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> so cocky. No, man. <laughs> All right, I want Chris, double he... the points, whatever that is. So no. He doesn't know it. You don't get double the points. I do if I get it right. Do I get? No, oh, I don't get double the points. No, uh, you get a point if he gets me. it wrong. Do I get a point though? Yeah, yeah, you get a point if he gets it wrong. If you're betting against him. All right, get it wrong. Go ahead. All right, Chris. He is uh, <laughs> excitedly, enthusiastically <laughs> betting against you. Your choices are: Kickstart My Heart, Home Sweet Home, Doctor Feel Good. Or Saints of Los Angeles. Before I answer, I just want to say <laughs> this whole week, Ron was saying, "Oh, I'll be the person who never gets one thing right and beat the geek." And Chris is going to kill me. He hasn't gotten so, one wrong yet. <laughs> I know. My goal was to be the only guest to get zero points on this, and I got like eight, couple hundred, or something right now. <laughs> So I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Well, it's not anyway, over yet. Answer the fucking question. <laughs> wow. What was the question? All right. <laughs> I know you're excited, but I have gotten through junior high. Oh, man. I, I love hearing Aaron laugh. I know. Well, you're doing um, a good job of bringing it out of me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with Kickstart My Heart. That is correct. Oh, bullshit. Kickstart well, My Heart's the number one most popular Motley Crue song. Home Sweet Home is number two. Dr. Feelgood at number four. And believe it or not, Saints of Los Angeles is number seven. I totally believe that. I was surprised at that. Top ten. Where is All right, Rock and Ron bet against that? you, and you got it right, so that's two points. You're halfway there. The score is yeah. four to eight. <laughs> and you know 
how things can quickly turn around in the kiss round. And the kiss round is now rock and Ron. Are you ready for your kiss round question? Double the points. Wait a minute. He got two points for that? Yeah, because he got it right and you bet against him. Oh, I need to rethink this stuff. All yeah. right. You better Too think late. about it what, now because... What are we doing the kiss round now? It's, it's the kiss round. All right. And it's your question. My question? Okay. Here it comes. All right. Kiss's highest peak on the German album charts is number four. They did it twice. Which two albums? Chris, does Rock and Ron know which are the two most popular albums of Kiss in Germany? No. All right, Ron. Chris is betting against you. Your choices oh, fuck are. Fuck you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you too. I I know the German charts like the back of my hand. Because <laughs> you're into all that scat porn. <laughs> oh fuck! All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stop, <laughs> Your stop choices it, are be professional now. Well, this All is right. yeah. You make it tough to what, be a professional game show host too. Songs. Okay. Your choices right. are destroyer and revenge. Unmasked. Do the question and, again. Do the question again. Okay. All right. <laughs> Kiss's highest peak on the German album charts is number four. They did it twice. Which two albums? Two albums went to number four in Germany. That's the highest Kiss has ever peaked. The two albums, were they Destroyer and Revenge, Unmasked and Sonic Boom, Animalize and Asylum, or Love Gun and Lick It Up? Uh, 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 did, did Chris bet against me? Yes. That was probably a good move. Um, <laughs> uh, Stakes are high in the kiss round. The highest points on German charts, number four. Basically, um, the two most popular kiss albums in Germany. Two, two most popular albums. Destroyer and Revenge. Germany is probably behind on stuff. So what was what one was the latest album? The latest album out of the you got Destroyer and Revenge, Unmasked okay. and Sonic Boom, Animalize and Asylum, Love Gun and Lick It Up. Uh what was the You the drunk fuckers are messing up my Sonic game show. Boom? I'm going to go with Sonic Boom. Holy shit. That is correct. <laughs> the two most popular Kiss albums in Germany are Unmasked and Sonic Boom. Uh, Un Unmasked? So you got it correct. And Chris bet against you. That's Sonic two Boom? points. That brings the score 11 to 4. Well, he's, 11. He, so he wins. Yeah. 
I went to 11. No, we still got no because he, it's points. It's not, you don't get a point for each. There's, you're messing up. The game is not over yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it is, but okay. I mean, you yeah. still got a chance. You got a kiss round question. That's okay. double I still the points. want to stop now. This is a good one, too. I'm proud did of this one. Did I get one. double points? You did. Whatever. Oh, shit. That's right. So yeah. actually, Ron has got two extra points because of that. See, I'm screwed. You guys, oh man, you got me drinking too much. <laughs> yeah, it's our fault. So the score is actually get it together. Thirteen there, to four. Because <laughs> <laughs> of double points and betting against. Yeah, thirteen to four. Wow. Thirteen. I'm proud of these kiss questions. Chris, That's here comes my lucky yours. Number. Let's stop now. Gene Simmons' 1978 solo album charted the highest of any member of Kiss in the United States. Which one had the highest charting solo album in Japan? Ron, it's the kiss round. Double the points. You want to bet against them? Well, what was the question again? It Just was, say uh, yes, you'll bet against me. Okay, yes, I'll bet against you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris sounds confident. Ron has been talked into betting against him. Chris, you know the choices. Gene, Paul, Peter, or Ace. Who charted the highest in Japan? I'll say Ace. That is incorrect. Yes. Ron gets two points because of the kiss round and betting against you. You got it wrong. In Japan, Peter, Chris... Reached 40 on the charts. Ace Fraley reached 30. Gene Simmons reached 24. And Paul Stanley reached 18. Wow. The answer is Paul Stanley. Those are good kiss questions. I almost thought you was going to say Paul or Peter had the highest ranking. That would be something. Nope. In every reality and in every country, in every age and in every time. Peter Chris always comes in last. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, nobody wants to be Peter Chris, not even Peter Chris. Sorry, Peter. Love All you. All right. So with that mistake in the kiss round, that brings the what score: the Rock and Ron fifteen, <laughs> Chris Sinzak four. Fifteen. That's the highest score so far in this game. We've still got two more questions to go. Ron, it's your turn. What? 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 what wait, wait a minute. What yeah. do I got? 15? 15. Yes. Oh, shit. It's a new cool. record. Move on. All right. Well, you know how this goes. I always like to ask favorite question or your favorite band. Two weeks ago, I asked Baco about Seven Mary Three. Everybody knows that's his favorite band. Last week, I asked oh, Loose Cannon oh, about oh. Pat Benatar. We all know how... how Loose Cannon lusts after Pat Benatar after all these years. So, Rock and Rod, your question is this. Wildside, oh. then known as Young Guns, okay. were the prize in a bidding war between record companies in 1990. Who ultimately signed them? Chris, you know how Rock and Ron feels about Wildside. Does he know the answer to this question? All right, now I'm thinking this is rigged to Ron. Um, <laughs> no, because I asked Loose Cannon about Pat Benatar last week, and I asked and I Baco about Seven Mary the Three. Answer to that one. Let me just say. I'll say he knows this. All right. He's not betting against you. Rock and Ron, your choices are Capital, 
Polygram, Electra, or Warner Brothers? What was Wildside signed to? In 1990, when they got their big record deal, all these companies were fighting over them. One of them won out. Was it Capital, Polygram, Electra, or Warner Brothers? I do actually think it was Capital. Holy shit, Ron, that is correct. Holy <laughs> shit. Of course it was. So Chris yeah. did not bet against you, and you get a point. So the score is no, now 16 knew, to 4. Better. And just for the fun of it, Chris, I've been asking you all kinds of questions about your favorite bands today. I got one more for you. In the 70s, Thin Lizzy's Phil Linet released two written volumes of poetry that were combined into a book. What was the name of that book? Ron, you know he loves the Thin Lizzy, but does he know yeah, he does. the Phil Lynott is... poetry? Do you want to bet against him? What the Why hell? are you asking Chris Ramones and Thin Lizzy questions? Because I think Cause it's fun to ask Chris questions about his favorite bands and then stump them on them, all right? Yeah, because I'm clearly why. doing so awesome tonight. Because he's been getting them all wrong, because he's got four points all along here. Well, what do you think, Ron? You want to pad your points? You want to bet against him one last time? Um, I don't remember the question or anything, but I'll bet against him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, and this final question in this week's Beat the Geek, do you know the name of the Phil Lynott poetry book? Was it Words to Remember Me By, Songs for While I'm Away, Poems for the Wandering Soul, or Things We Thought Were Forever. What was the title of the poetry book by Phil Lynott? Before I answer, let me just say, I've never had more fun losing in a game of trivia. Um, (laughs) uh, I'll say uh, Songs for While I'm Away. That is correct. And Ron bet against you, so that's two points. The final score of this week's edition of Beat the Geek Rockin' Ron, who didn't even want to play this game, defeats Chris Sinzak. Final score, 16 to 6. All right, Chris. Well, this has been a pretty interesting edition of Beat the Geek. Rockin' Ron, how do you feel? (laughs) Oh, did I win? You won. You got the highest score of all time. I beat the geek? You didn't just beat him. You trounced him. I trounced him. What was it? 16 to... Six. Six. Yeah, you won't remember anyway. Chris, how do you no, feel I after something but... like that? Uh, I'm drunk, too, so it doesn't really make much difference to me. Oh, oh, but I, it should make a difference. Excuse. I asked you questions about all your favorite bands. I, oh, no, I mean, I got the I got the Thin Lizzy one right, at least. Uh, but, like, anything... And anyone who's coming on in future editions of uh, Beat the Geek, just know if Aaron hits me with chart positions, I'm probably going to lose. But I didn't hit you with any chart positions today. Well, you should have hit him with chart positions. Well, I don't then. think it really mattered. I mean, look at the he end score. He wouldn't have got six points. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you already beat me. Now you're going to rub it in? Oh, man. I actually beat the geek. Yeah. 
Well, Chris, let me tell you something. You're always the jokester and the prankster, always tricking people into into fooling them and making them feel bad. Well, today I got to tell you, me and Rock and Ron, we conspired against you and we cheated. So this one's it's not going to count against you. But I got to tell you this. I'm super proud of you for getting these six fucking points because my goal here was to give Ron a perfect score and you a perfect score in the opposite direction. Oh, really? Yeah, we were just fucking with you. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, there ain't no way I'm Ron really would have known any of those questions. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not always Aaron's idea. <laughs> But I mean, am I, do I always come off like I'm trying to like trick people? I don't. I hope I don't come off that way. This goes back to your April Fool's days, my friend. What? The, the Vinnie Vincent <laughs> fake interview? The people have been waiting for somebody to get revenge on you for that for years, and now it's finally happened. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you got me. And I am extremely happy that I'm the one to get revenge on you, Chris. Oh, man. Truth, truth be told... I would not know any of those questions <laughs> if it wasn't for Aaron. Not even the one about Wildside. So he, not so even he, the one about Wildside. Wait a minute. But. So he had the answers the whole time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys both suck. Oh, man. Too funny. But the, the goal was to get you zero points and... You actually did know a couple yeah, of them. Yeah, I mean, these so six points. I got to give it to you on that, Chris, that, that you actually guessed correctly on a couple of them. Because that's what I told Ron. I said, if you think your questions are tough and you've got the answers to them, wait till you see what I got lined up for Chris. He's not going to get any of these right. And you ended up with six points. So that's pretty damn impressive. Uh, you hit me with a fucking Phil Lineup poetry. <laughs> I didn't think you'd know it. I didn't either, but I, uh, I re- once you said the name, I was like, I think I remember hearing about that. So, yeah, thank God I read some biographies. Right? Nice. <laughs> hey, he asked me an Uriah Heap question. <laughs> yeah, and I knew the answer to that one. <laughs> What would you think about those kiss questions, though, huh? Who the hell would ever thought Unmasked and Sonic Boom were the two most successful German kiss albums? For some reason, when you read off the answers, I was like, I bet it's those. Because it seems the most unlikely. Yeah. But it is. Sure you did, Chris. No, because Europe is always, like, far behind the U.S. and stuff like that. So it's like, of course, it'll be, like, two of the least popular albums among the fan base. (laughs) Not anymore. Now we're the ones that are behind Oh wow! And what about the Gene Simmons question, or the uh, what about the Kiss question about Japan? That was a good one too. I had no idea. No, I mean, it, I thought Ace was like kind of the most beloved character, but uh, but yeah. So I'm glad to hear that Ron won under false pretenses. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it was the only, the only way, way he was going to win. Cheat, but. So we're going to put an asterisk by my. Yeah, no, now. this was just an exhibition. This one doesn't count against you. Okay. Yes, you are still the reigning champion. That works for me. Well, Chris, not, but, not technically, uh, but you are still the geek to be beaten. So I uh, guess we're probably going to continue this next week because we're not quite out of quarantine did, yet. I but you know play what? I off good, didn't I, Aaron? What's that? Did I play it off good? Yeah, dude, you did awesome. <laughs> oh, 
Way better. Than, see, Rock and Ron Wasted is way better than Ian Wasted. So at least we can count on Rock and Ron to nail it in the first take. <laughs> the deception. Oh, my God. But, yeah, that's that's your uh, your April Fool's joke all these years I'm, in the waiting to be revenged. Well, why do you got to play it on me, Aaron? You were part of the April Fool's joke to start with. Yeah, kind of. Not really. I didn't Maybe write kinda. I didn't write anybody's script. Oh, you know, <laughs> the whole thing. But I did write Ron's, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Aaron is not as innocent as he's saying. Oh, what? No, I'm just an innocent game show host. I don't know uh, nothing about nothing. Okay. <laughs> this has been fun. I want to thank everybody for bringing their awesome questions once again. Ron, your idea to be able to hang out and drink with your buddies without getting coronavirus was pure genius. <laughs> I loved it, guys. This was a great time. I loved getting revenge on <laughs> on Chris. And, <laughs> you know, it was a great time. I'm sorry that it took four years and 200 plus episodes for you guys to get me on. But <laughs> well, I, he's I a guy. It. Thank you. Well, look at it this way, Ron. It took about that long to record this episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> and with that being well, said, I think we're going to wrap up today's show and let you guys listen to it for yourselves. I doubt these guys are signed by Sony or anybody else. So for you, here's Paul with Jesse. And we'll see you next Ooh. week. A boy and his dog. Let's hear it.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.